Welcome to the Confidence and Communication Podcast. I'm your life coach, Jessica Dumas. I'm a professional speaker and coach who empowers women everywhere to use their voice to take up space and change the world. My goal is to help you speak with clarity and confidence while giving you practical guidance and tools by sharing real life experiences of overcoming. So turn up the volume and grab a pen. You're going to want to write this down. Jessica Dumas Coaching and Training and the Confidence and Communication Podcast is overflowing with appreciation to our first podcast sponsor, The Johnston Group, Inc. The Johnston Group provides employee benefits to more than 30,000 businesses across Canada. Thank you so much for supporting my vision and investing in the podcast. Please accept my extreme gratitude, which will help get the message of self-love, healing, and growth out to a greater audience. All right. Welcome to the podcast. I have a guest with me today with an amazing story of finding herself in her story called The Girl Within. It's the title of her talk and the talk that she's bringing to new audiences everywhere. And I'm so excited to to talk about it today. So welcome, Sherry Lynn Gobey. Thanks, Jessica. I'm so excited to be here with you. Yay. I'm so happy that you are here with me. So I'm going to talk a little bit about your bio, and then we're going to jump into the interview. So Sherry Lynn was a client of mine. We worked together in early 2020, and we actually have a YouTube interview, and that is called The Girl Within. So it's a speaking up interview. So if anyone's looking for that, please check it out. But Sherry Lynn is a 60 Scoop adoptee, and she's the author of The Girl Within in which she shares her story of being taken away from her family at a very young age and placed for adoption. Sherry Lynn shares how she found herself later in life and how her determination led her back to her biological family in 2018. Sherry Lynn has a passion for developing connections and lasting relationships. And once you get to know her, you know that for sure. You feel it. Sherry Lynn is a graduate of the University of Manitoba, where she received a Bachelor of Arts with a major in criminology and minor in Native Studies. It's always interesting to find out people's education, especially when they're not in that field. Although there's, you know, that education always benefits you in one way. But Sherry Lynn also has a certificate in Occupational Health and Safety from Ryerson University. A firm believer in lifelong learning, Sherry Lynn's career has taken her from working with the federal government to becoming an entrepreneur and owning her own mold and asbestos business, where she received the Youth Entrepreneur Award in 2008. Sherry Lynn also worked in both pediatric research and adult research as a clinical research coordinator at the Winnipeg Health Science Center, and much, 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 much value of work along the way. But today we're talking about her personal story and that journey, and I'm so excited to jump into that. So Sherry Lynn, what is The Girl Within? Where does that come from? Well, The Girl Within is my personal story about being a successful 60 Scoop adoptee. Now I say successful because of the fact that when I was taken as a child at a very young age, I was taken uh, from my parents or from my mom and placed up for adoption. So I stayed in an orphanage for a year before my adoptive parents came to adopt me. When I say a successful 60 scoop adoptee, this means that I was successfully brought into the white man's world. So right now I live in between two worlds, the white man's world, as well as me trying to find out my 
culture, my heritage, my family, my roots, uh, my indigenous side. So that has been a bit of a struggle for me, uh, knowing that I'm never going to belong in my adoptive family, or am I ever going to belong in my indigenous family? So I am kind of stuck in between two worlds. So being reunited with my biological family four years ago filled my heart. It filled that emptiness, that need to try to find who I am. So I'm trying to share my personal story. So if it helps anybody else be reunited with their family or start the process of wanting to look where they're from, uh, who their families are, then my story will hopefully help them do that. Wow. There's so much in what you've already shared that, that I want to try to dig into. So first of all, the fact that you said an orphanage, like how many people in Canada would have ever heard of an orphanage in Canada? Like, was that in Manitoba? Yeah, it was actually in Lynn Lake, Manitoba. Wow. Yeah. Like it no longer exists. It was torn down many, many years ago. Right. But yeah, that was in an orphanage. So it explains the depth of what the government wanted to do, thinking back at taking these children and not even having families for them set up taking them from a loving family and putting them in an orphanage and having these children, you know, wait to be adopted. Right. Uh, many of these children were, ado- uh, were put up for adoption um, in within Canada, the US, and then as far as away as Europe. Yeah. And that's a good case scenario when they were adopted. Many of these children never were adopted. They were switched to foster homes. Many of them, you know, tens, you know, uh, have lived in foster like 15, 20 different foster homes. That's not surprising. And that's really enraging. It's enraging. And like, it's such a unique story, because I don't know anyone else who's ever shared a story like that. And do you find that a lot? Do you find that you are sharing the story and people don't know what you're talking about? Absolutely. The way that I start my uh, story is I ask the public or the audience how many people have heard of residential school? And mostly everybody's arms go up with that. And then I ask them, how many of you have heard of the 60 scoop? And maybe two or three arms are raised at that question. So I know just by that reaction that it is so important that I go out and share my story, not only to bring knowledge of the 60 scoop children, but we're not going to start healing until our voices are heard, our stories are heard. So if me stepping out of my comfort zone and sharing my experiences, if that encourages anybody else, any of our other 60 scoop children that are still trying to find their way home, if that encourages them to speak up and try to find where they rightfully belong, then so be it. I have no right keeping my story to myself. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And there's so much like when you're going through an experience like that, I imagine the first thing that you want to do is kind of hide your story. It's like when you grow up with a story that's not acknowledged anywhere, no one knows what you're talking about. How do you start to build that story? How do you start to build your voice in that situation? I think one of the hardest parts was when I first started sharing my story, the tears that came from my story. I've had people just start bawling um, at my experiences and I've had other reactions that I was in a boardroom and started telling them my story. And four of the ladies that were across the table walked around the table and gave me a hug and said, welcome home. Wow. And that was just so humbling and heartwarming. And at that point, I knew the importance of me sharing that story. 
Right. Because there are others out there who might have that similar experience that if they don't hear it, if they don't see anyone with the strength that you have and the courage that you've had to share that story, then they may never be able to share that story. Absolutely. If my voice provides them with a little bit more strength to want to share their story, then absolutely. It's definitely worth getting out of my comfort zone and sharing my story. I also want to stress that I'm not trying to take away from the pains and the horrible upbringing that some of our 60 kids have experienced. However, I do want to bring a positive aspect about this whole horrific situation that I was blessed with a very uh, loving, supportive family. I grew up with a fairy tale upbringing. However, people still need to know what happened to over, they say an estimated 22,000 Indigenous children were taken from their families. 22,000. Unbelievable. So we wonder how many of those 22,000 children are still looking for where they belong, where right. they come from, searching for their identity. Right. And, and I feel like you need to be at a certain place in life to even, you need to be out of survival mode in order to actually ask that question. But there, I, I truly believe, especially with 22,000 children, I believe that what your story does is, like, especially you just shared that it was a fairy tale upbringing. Again, not a common story that you hear, right? The first reaction that people, my first reaction is that's enraging to hear. And, and you're saying, but I, I want to bring a positive light to it. And And there are obviously people out in the community that also need that. They need that voice, right? Because I've I've heard that before from someone who was in residential school when I was doing the Indigenous awareness training. And they said, like, it's difficult to hear all of the traumatic stories. They're real and they're valid. But my experience was good. So what, what kind of reaction do you get when you share that? I think I get a mixed reaction. I know that some of the audience members often ask me, are you angry? Yeah. Um, Do you have a chip on your shoulder because of what happened to you? And I look at them and I said, well, I don't know any different. So I have no right to be angry. Again, I was given a great upbringing, plenty of opportunities that I may not have had if I would have stayed with my family. I don't know that. But I know for a fact that I have no right to be angry. Right. Because I was given so many opportunities and I am who I am because of the experiences that I went through. So if I can turn that negative into a positive and share my story and how I've become the person that I am because of my experiences, then mm-hmm. so be it. So it's interesting, like the the phrase 60s scoop. I mean, during the, the late 50s and 60s and during the time that this was happening, they didn't say we're doing a 60 scoop, right? It wasn't like a, a phrase that was used. So that leads me to wonder, do a lot of adults now, Indigenous adults who are adopted, do they know they were part of the 60 scoop? And do parents who adopted the kids, do they know that they were adopting kids that were scooped? I know for my particular situation, how the 60 scoop term came about was from a social worker that she felt she was literally scooping these children from the parents' arms. So that's where the term came about. And did I know that, or sorry, did my parents, my adoptive parents know that they, that I was a 60 scoop? Definitely not. That was one of the first things that they had told me that 
we just saw a little Indigenous girl in an orphanage that needed a loving family, and we came to get you. We had no idea that you were taken from your biological parents. And I think that a lot of uh, adoptive parents that were welcoming these children that were often, you know, put up in newspapers, pictures of these little boys and girls looking for homes in the local newspaper or on the radio, these adoptive parents came and wanted to provide them with a loving home and didn't know the background about being that, that we were taken from our biological families. That's heartbreaking. That's heartbreaking. Like to hear the social worker felt like she was scooping that like even just repeating those words are so difficult to, to say it's, it's such emotional work. And you had a great upbringing, thank goodness, for such a great family. But when you learned about this as an adult, did you have anger? Or like, what did you go through when you started to learn about this? And actually, how did you How did you know? Did your parents tell you the whole time that we adopted you? Or what was that like for you? Yeah, I knew from a very young age that I was adopted. So I don't remember not knowing. So I must have been a very little girl when my adoptive parents told uh, my brother and I that we are adopted. How I found out that I was, I could have been a 60 scoop adoptee was I was talking to a social worker that worked in the system a number of years ago. And we just started talking and she asked me what year I was born, where I came from. And she said, you know what, I think that you could possibly be a 60 scoop adoptee. And I'm like, what, what's that about? So the more research I did and the more the, that all the facts kind of, you know, equaled up to me actually being a 60 scoop child. And it was, you know, it was one thing knowing that I was adopted and then finding out that I was, you know, later in life that I was taken from my biological family. It was heartbreaking and it was frustrating, but I know, I knew at that time that I had to find out where I came from. Wow. So when did you get to the orphanage? How old were you when you got to the orphanage and how long were you there before your adopted family found you or... Yeah, unfortunately, the records were destroyed as well as the building no longer exists. So during my research, trying to find where which community I came from, where I, you know, where I could start my search, I did start, um, you know, I found out very quickly that all records were destroyed. So do I know what how old I was when I was put in that orphanage? I don't. All I know is I spent a year, I was a year old when my adoptive parents came to to get me. So was I there the entire year? Was I taken when I was like just a few months old? I unfortunately don't know that. Wow. Yeah. And it's uh, the sad thing is, is not my biological mother not only had me taken, but I had an older brother that was, was taken. So she had two children that were taken from her arms. And unfortunately, my older brother, David, no longer is with us. But I had the opportunity to meet his adoptive sister. And she was able to share a lot about David, his upbringing, and that he's always struggled with his self-identity. And I looked her in the eye. I said, I suffer from that every day, not knowing where I truly belong. And I totally understand it. And I remember to this day her looking at me and crying and saying, I wish I could be David. I wish I could have brought you home. I wish I could have brought David home to you. And I looked at her. I said, you don't have to cry because you shared so many things about David. So it is like he's home with us. Holy smokes. I'm like, I've had these conversations with you before I helped you with writing your story and asking the questions, but even just hearing it again, like this, your story is outstanding. It's outstanding because I know you as a person and you you're very positive. You're very 
very professional. You seem like a very content person. And I think uh, Indigenous people all across Canada, maybe North America, maybe the world, I don't know, but Indigenous people and identity because of Canada's history is an issue. It's an issue for many people. There's so many misunderstandings that we have even within our own community. So I think that your story of identity, of finding that girl within is for people who are part of the 60s scoop, who don't know it or who are looking for others to just relate to them. But I think also for just people in general, because identity is such a huge thing. We're born into a society that wants to tell us our identity. But you, you've decided, no, this is the girl within me. And this is the story that I'm going to tell. And that's really incredible. Yes. I also speak on behalf of my children because it's another generation not knowing who or where we belong or where we come from. So that struggle again sits with them because I can't share with them, you know, uh, our indigenous heritage, our indigenous upbringing, any of that stuff, because I'm learning that as, as I go as well. So another generation of being robbed of that identity. So again, I have to use my voice to be recognized that so many children are out there and just missing their, who they are, where they come from. They may be lost. So if my voice triggers something in them to encourage them to start looking and wanting to find out where they come from, then so be it. I want to be that person that they can reach out to and ask me, how did you find where you come from? And I'd be more than happy to share the steps that I took to Mm -hmm. be where I am right now. And where would you say that you are right now with regards to why it's important for you to share your story? I am at a very happy place in my life and I just want to be able to share my story with as many people that are willing to listen. And again, when how you stress, it doesn't have to be Indigenous solely. I know that there are many people that are looking for their, who they are, their identity. So if I can be the voice that encourages them to keep looking, to keep fighting for you know what they want in their life, then I want to be that voice. I want them to know that you can get through the worst scenarios and the worst circumstances and come out, you know, even stronger than you ever thought possible. Wow. That's incredible. Anything else that you want to add before we talk about how people can book you? I think that we pretty much covered everything. Again, um, there are still some parts of my story that gets me crying, but I know that the tears are important for people to see. I can't hide that. I remember you specifically saying that the emotion in it is so important. And I don't want my story to be a sad story. I want people to be encouraged by what I share with them. So if I share emotion during my story, then I want them to know how important it was for me to go through that and to be at that stage that it affected me so much that I know that there's when I met my biological family, that those moments will never be taken away from me. Yes, I had so much taken away from me as a young child, but that just justified everything when I was welcomed back from my biological family with open arms. I still continue to hear from my brothers on a daily basis and uncles that don't necessarily understand me because they speak Cree. Cree is their first language and English is their second. But I can tell in their eyes how happy they are that I'm I'm back where I come from. 
that they know that that I'm loved and welcomed. So that all is, you know, so empowering and so worth my struggles and my path to to get to where I am today. Amazing. I think it's it's an incredible story. And I think that it's for everyone that needs to hear it. Because, again, like I said earlier, so many people, Indigenous people and beyond, are searching for identity and are trying to understand their own identity. And I think that what you've been able to do on your journey and what you share throughout the parts of your story is you just go for it and you just do it. You claim it back. And that's what you've done. Yes, absolutely. And I get so many positive responses after my story. I've shared my story. Some of the questions that, uh, that people ask me are just truly heartwarming. And you can tell that they've, I get their attention right from the moment I ask my first question to the end of my, my story. I catch their attention and they, I have their attention 100% of the time because you can tell by some of the questions that they come up with that they've really thought of these questions and uh, they don't want to offend me. And, uh, you know, one of the participants one time said, you know, I don't want you to get angry, but, you know, how can you not be angry? about everything that happened to you. And I tell them, I said, because I was blessed in so many different areas in my life that I have no right to be angry. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm here sharing with you today, um, my story, my struggles. But besides all those struggles, you know, I've been blessed so many different times. And I had the opportunity to meet my biological family, whereas so many of our children haven't been able to do that. So for me to stand there and say, you know, I'm bitter or I'm angry. That's not who I am. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Well, thanks so much for your courage to tell your story. Thank you so much for your consistency and persistence to bring your story to all the people that need to hear it. So how can people book you for their, their conference or their groups? How do they reach you? So right now, my Girl Within uh, website is under construction, but feel free to give me a call on my mobile phone, which is 204-799-9710. And again, I want to uh, reach out to as many people who are willing to listen to my story. I think it is important with all the truth and reconciliation uh, that's going on right now. I think it's an important topic. Again, I want to make sure that 60 Scoop children are recognized as much as residential school children are. I want people to be as aware of what happened to over an estimated 20,000 of our Indigenous children were taken from their families. So we need to educate and have our voices heard. So with me sharing my story, I want to be that voice for so many of our 60 Scoop children from uh, within Canada, within the U.S. and, you know, all over the world. That is my ultimate goal is to have everybody hear my story. Amazing. And I want that as well. I wish you all of the best with all of the audiences and all of the hearts and the lives that you're going to change with your story. So thanks so much for being on the podcast and sharing it with me. Thank you so much, Jessica. It's always a pleasure talking with you. You're so welcome. Thanks so much for being here and listening to the podcast. Miigwech, ekose, merci. I want to take every opportunity that I can to tell you that you are worthy. And if something in this message resonated with you, please leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. And send a link to your sister, your best friends, and your cousins, because if there was something in this message that resonated, then they might want to hear about it too. 
If maybe taking a screenshot is your thing, share it on your Instagram story. And don't forget to take me at jessicadumas.ca. Thank you.